Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. As a preface, I just wanted to say that this episode does talk briefly about spirituality. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guest. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what religion you left and your story? Well, my name is Missy, and I left the LDS Church, the Mormon Church. I had a really hard time believing it since I was around five years old and I had a near de- near death experience and it very much contradicted what I was learning at church. And as I got older, I started to realize that the only people telling me that I didn't see what I saw or experience what I experienced were people from the church. Everybody else, like my therapist, <laughs> doctors, Everyone else said that, yeah, it seemed like I had a valid experience, but, you know, when I would go to a bishop or a Sunday school teacher to ask them about it, you know, different points that were just contradictory, I was told, oh, you didn't see what you think you saw, but you're misinterpreting things. You Maybe you didn't see everything that you remember, that kind of thing. And although I tried to believe because my family is is all Mormon, my mom, my brother, my sister, my dad, all of like most of my mom's family, all of my dad's family. So I stayed in the church, tried to be a good little Mormon girl that I was expected to be, but it never really worked because I didn't really believe. Although I didn't really see that there was any harm in continuing to go. But then they had the LGBTQIA policy in 2015. Then they reversed their decision position on that. Then I found out about the West Virginia child sex abuse case cover up. And I have very good long lifelong friends that were affected by that. And I just couldn't do it anymore after that. So what is it that happened in your near-death experience that made you know that the church isn't true? Well, the first thing was that there was only one heaven. (laughs) There wasn't like any kind of separation. I didn't experience any, even there wasn't even like the separation that I was told to expect between the spirit prison and paradise. You know, as everybody's waiting for judgment day, there wasn't a separation there either. Everybody was just there. And the creator I met in heaven had a very different personality than what I was learning about at church. The creator I met and that I know and have a personal relationship with is not vengeful. (laughs) He is only loving and he wants every child to return to him. And I just, the conditional love that we're taught through the LDS church is not accurate. That's the bit, those are the two biggest things that there was no separation in heaven. So, what are some of the harmful doctrines you think that the Mormon Church teaches? Number one, purity culture. I that is the doctrine that's harmed me personally the most. I should not have been a seven-year-old child being told that I was causing adult men to have impure thoughts. I should not have been taught that my body 
was responsible and the way I dressed was responsible for men's thoughts and actions. I was taught that if someone went too far with me on a date sexually, then it was my fault. So when I was date raped, I was very easily convinced by my rapist that it was consensual, that it was my fault. And then when I went to the bishop to confess my sin, I was told that it was my fault and that if I was, I had two choices to either marry the man I slept with or, you know, who raped me, or I could never see him again. So I ended up marrying him because I was afraid of going to hell, trying to do what I was taught to do. And that was three years of a very abusive, very emotionally and mentally abusive relationship until I finally got the courage to leave. And I would not have ended up in that situation had it not been for those purity culture teachings that I had been taught as a young woman in the church. I was Mormon. He was the son of a bishop, but we did not get married in the temple because we had had sex. Although it wasn't, I didn't realize it wasn't consensual until after the divorce was done. (laughs) and I was in therapy. (laughs) My therapist is the one that informed me that based off of the experience, I described to her that it was rape, that it was not consensual. And I argued with her with it about it for about an hour before I realized that she was right because I had been so programmed by the church and so gaslit by my rapist and the bishop that I had gone to after it happened that I was fully convinced I was responsible for it. And are there any other doctrines you feel are harmful about the Mormon church? I don't know if it's a really a doctrine, but the church does not teach people how to have a moral compass. It does not teach a person how to think critically and make correct choices on their own. It only teaches people how to avoid one set of behaviors and how to check off the boxes on another set of behaviors. So if you are presented with a moral dilemma that's not clearly outlined by church doctrines, then you really don't know what to do. I had no confidence in my personal ability to make decisions when I reached adulthood. And as a result, I made some really bad choices for myself because I wasn't taught how to do it. So now going back to your marriage, how was it when you were leaving that husband Was the support lacking? How was that for you? Well, the bishop I had at the time was actually very supportive of me in leaving that marriage. I've been married twice. So leaving the second marriage is a little bit different than the first one. When I left the first one, that bishop supported me financially, emotionally, um, socially by helping me find a good paralegal that could help me do the documents and everything. He was wonderful. Leaving that marriage was totally, totally different experience than leaving my second one. And the way they differed was my second marriage. I was told that it was that I had the responsibility of the sin because I was choosing to leave. It didn't matter that I was being abused. It didn't matter that um, I was unhappy and that the children were scared of their father. 
what mattered was I had been married in the temple that time. And what mattered was I had made a commitment to him and I had children with my second husband. And I was told it didn't matter how unhappy I was. I needed to stay anyway. And when I left, I was threatened with excommunication for leaving. And (laughs) I didn't go back to church for three years after that. I took the kids because their father wanted me to. But I did not attend any meetings at all myself for about three years until the kids started asking me to go with them. Can you explain why you were threatened with excommunication for getting a divorce? Because I was breaking my temple covenants to my husband, that I was not hearkening to my husband as he hearkens unto unto the Lord. And since I was choosing to leave, I could be excommunicated for it. That's what the bishop said. I know that that's not official church doctrine, but that's what the bishop I had told me. And I said, well, what if he requested a divorce? And I was told that that's totally different because he didn't promise to hearken unto me. (laughs) I promised to hearken unto him. And so that I would be the one breaking my temple covenants. And that deserved excommunication. And now do your children still go to church or lay out? We are all out. My ex-husband had had it in the paperwork for the divorce that he wanted them attending church. And I was willing to respect that, but he has since left and I have completely left. And so the children don't go anymore either. And they no longer want to go. As they got older, one of my children is LGBTQ and I'm not going to subject any of them to the teachings of the church regarding those issues either. So we're all completely out now. And now when your husbands were abusing you, did they justify that using religion? My first husband did not. My second husband did. He said that it was my duty to perform for him sexually. And if I didn't, then he had the right to force me to do it. So it sounds like he raped you as well then? Yes. I'm sorry. Thank you. Now, going back to the purity culture lessons, what were some of the worst lessons you got in purity culture? (laughs) The worst lesson was the licked cupcake lesson where they passed a beautiful cupcake. One of the women in our ward was a professional baker and she had made these gorgeous cupcakes. And the first girl in the line was told to lick it and then pass it to the next girl in the line. And it just got more and more disgusting as more girls did it. And after three, nobody wanted to touch it. And I was surprised that it made it through three. And then we are told that we are like the cupcake and that if we have sex more with more than one man, then, you know, no one will want us that we are disgusting. And I remember thinking, isn't that the point of the atonement that we are taught to believe in? (laughs) That, you know, if you repent, then you are clean again. And I remember asking that and 
one of the leaders said, well, you can be forgiven, but you'll never get your virginity back. And that was the one that was the most harmful. One time at a youth conference, there was a women only lesson and they took a hundred dollar bill and crumpled it up. And we all shouted at it and stomped on it and, and stuff like that. And then the instructor was like, well, does this still have value? Does anybody want it? And everybody's like, yeah, I still want it. And then they crumpled, they tore it up into little pieces and said, this is what happens when you have sex before marriage. And then they're like, does anybody want this? And nobody wanted it because it was worthless at that point. So it didn't matter what anything else happened. That's the lesson we got. It doesn't matter anything that you do, you can be forgiven for it and you still have value. But if you have sex before marriage, then you become worthless. And my sexuality and my self-worth were 100% linked from then on. I put my value as a human being and whether I was sexually attractive enough, if I was sexually pure enough, most of my self-worth came from thoughts surrounding my sexuality and my sexual purity for most of my adulthood. I'm surprised they deface money. I think that's actually illegal to do that. <laughs> I know. One of the more rebellious kids mentioned that and they're like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. They just brush it off. <laughs> Mormons, it's only bad if they think it's bad. If it, if the laws say it's illegal, it's not that bad unless they think it's bad. Exactly. It's like that. those two lists. Like, It's only bad if it's on the bad list, and it's only good if it's on the good list. So now as we're getting ready to wrap up, is there anything else you would like to add? Not really. So now what are three tips you have? for people looking to leave the Mormon church? Number one, do your research. So that way, when your biggest critic starts attacking your decision, which would be yourself, you know exactly why you made the decision to begin with. And number two, go to therapy. Enlist the help of a good therapist who can help you talk to your family about it. I haven't really talked to my family about it as much as I probably need to. I'm just not ready to yet. But the conversations I have had w- were would not have been possible were it not for my therapist helping me learn how to broach the topic and set boundaries of what I'm willing to discuss and what I'm not. And then the third tip is embrace your new life. There is hope and joy outside of high demand religion and, you know, embrace that. Let let go of the guilt and shame that you'll feel at first. Let it go and embrace your new life. All right. Well, it's been great having you on today and thank you for coming on. Thank you. I'm sorry I was late. You're just fine. Well, have a great day. Thank you too. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.